Well, you know, the message that, that I heard from C.S. Stallings, T.C., Whenever it's initials, I'll never, I never remember. I mean, there's only like 26 letters in the alphabet. How are you going to remember all those? C.S. Stallings? So, it was T.C. T.C. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I don't know what I see. All right. And when everybody's looking at it, it makes it worse, you know that. And, you know, he talked about Lordship. He talked about in Psalms 139.16 that there's a book with all of our days written in it. You know, and I look at Matthew, and I, and I just have to say, I, you know, I'm going to start the sermon here in a minute, but I just, I just want, want to just give an opportunity here just for a moment. It says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom. Notice it doesn't say Savior, Savior. Savior is in the Bible about 36 times. Lord is in the Bible about 6,700 times. The overwhelming emphasis of the Bible is lordship, not saviorship. And if you accomplish lordship, you don't have to be concerned about saviorship. Because the Bible says, in order to gain your life, you have to lose it. That doesn't mean you throw it away like losing it to the devil. It means you, you, it's like losing the steering wheel to someone who can drive better than you. See, losing your life isn't, it doesn't say destroying your life. You know, you're going to lose it one way or another. You're going to live for yourself and the devil will take your life and destroy it. Or you're going to live for him and he'll take your life and make something out of it. So we have to understand what that means. It means making him Lord. It means you stepping away from the steering wheel. It means you set, stepping off of the throne. It means you giving him all control, all authority and power in your life. And he says, not everyone that saith, Lord, Lord. So the claims of lordship are not fulfilled very much. You know, a lot of people say, may say Savior, Savior, but see, he's not talking about that. Matthew 7, 21 is saying, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord. Saying Lord is very different than saying Savior. All the people in hell still are wanting Savior. They just never made Jesus Lord. You know, when you're in hell, you know, I, I've, I've left my body. I, I, God has shown me what hell is like. I've read books about afterlife experiences where a lot of people have even been down in hell and talked to the people that are in hell, and they're screaming out. They, they still want to be saved. Yeah. How many of you know throughout eternity, they'll still be want to be saved? How many of you know the devils want to be saved? How many of you know it says in James, even the devils know the word, they know it's true, and they tremble, but they just won't do it. They won't make Jesus Lord. They just never would do it. People that are in hell, they want Jesus to be their Savior, but they just wouldn't make him Lord. They just wouldn't do what it says. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth, but he that doeth, everybody say doeth. Faith without corresponding action or faith without works is dead. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And 
in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. See, in 1 John 2, 3, it says, Hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Titus says they profess that, that they know God, but uh, they do not do. They profess that they know him, but they're, but they're disobedient and to every good work uh, reprobate. So, as I look at that, I think, how many of us are really making him Lord? You know, that was a big emphasis in the message yesterday, and it really made me think, are we making Jesus Lord? Are we doing what he says? Are we really obeying what he says? And, you know, today, I would, I would like to just, uh, if there's anyone here, and you would like to recommit, not necessarily to the saviorship, you know, how many of you know Jesus already saved us 2,000 years ago? He's hung on the cross through that. He's not going to come do that again. Now he's waiting for you uh, to make him Lord so that saviorship can apply to you. And so, you know, it, it, he, can, he can save us alone. He didn't need any help on the cross. He already did that by himself. But to be Lord, he needs you to bow to him. And what does bowing to him look like? It means getting into this Bible and doing what it says. You know, some people say, I made Jesus Lord, and they come to church every once in a while. Well, the Bible says that do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. It says keep the Sabbath day holy. And Jesus isn't Lord in their life. They're not any more following that than they're an astronaut. That Jesus isn't Lord. You know, when it comes to tithing or praying or soul winning or things like that, they've never made Jesus Lord. Just never have. And I just want to say today, if you, if you've, if you feel the need to recommit to Jesus' lordship with heads bowed, we're just going to do it from, we're not going to have anybody necessarily come forward, but just with heads bowed today, how many would like to, just a renewed effort and commitment to make Jesus Lord in every single area of your life? Raise your hand this morning if that's you. I'm, I'm putting mine up right now. Because there's some areas in my life I realize, wow, I, I need to get better. Let's just confess Jesus is Lord this morning. And with heads bowed, let's just say this prayer together. You can echo it after me. Dear Heavenly Father, Forgive me for not always putting you first, for not dying to self, for not obeying the word. All those things are a refusal, a rebellion against making you Lord. Father, I lay it all down today. I make that commitment, a consecration to you, that you're Lord. I step out of the driver's seat. I get off of my throne. It's all you, Lord. I give it all up. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you meant that today? Raise your hand if you meant it. Amen. We need to covenant together sometimes as churches. You know, we do that individually, but, you know, sometimes it's easier and it's better to just do it all together. Amen? I like doing things together. I like, I like being uh, part of the body. I like being uh, in, in, in that group. And, and we can reaffirm and we can help hold each other accountable and we can strengthen each other. It's easier to do things in numbers sometimes than to have to go solo. And, uh, and I think Jesus, Jesus is pleased when we endeavored. Now, will we always make him Lord in every decision or will we, we mess up? You know, we're probably going to mess up once in a while. But there's a huge difference in just letting it go and endeavoring every day to do it. There's a huge difference in making him Lord and maybe messing up once in a while, but not even trying to make him Lord is, is 
that's sin. I, I don't know if that's even, I don't even know if, that, if a person like that's even really saved. So I think that it's good. Well, this, this morning I'm going to talk about something that's a, a little off the beaten path. And, uh, and it's really a, uh, it's a unique thing that I think that today in our modern culture that we need to kind of get pulled back to understanding. And, you know, the Bible talks about ever learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. How many of you know the Bible talks about that? That people will be ever learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. And we're not just talking about learning history and geography and mathematics. No, we're talking about trying to learn the things of God but not coming to the truth. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to delineate to you this morning why that is with certain people. And what you can do to make sure that you don't fall into that. And I'm, my, my title, you know, or my preface is really this ever learning versus truth feeding. Or feeding on the truth. You know, it's one thing to ever to learn. It says, ever learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. You can learn and learn and learn and learn and learn facts and figures, and you can learn uh, certain things, and, and you, you can go on and on with facts upon facts upon facts, but that doesn't mean you'll ever arrive at truth. Truth is different than facts. Truth is transcendent to facts. You can have ten facts and put them together and come up with a non-truth. So truth is a, is a more transcendent and more profound and a deeper thing, and it should be sought after. But you can be ever learning and never come to knowledge of truth. I, I know guys that have their PhD from Harvard in theology, and they're atheists. They were forever learning, but they never came to the knowledge of the truth. And today, the, the key thing is God wants us to have a feeder relationship. What's feeder? And feeder relationship is where we get the word pastor. And let's bow our head, and we're going to pray, and then we're going to get into some things today. And we're going to just believe that God opens up our understanding. Father, I thank you. Lord, I ask your blessing today on the word. Father, we just pray that you give clarity of mind, articulation of speech, and boldness of spirit to speak forth as your oracle. Father, I pray that each one here have ears to hear, hearts to receive, and a will to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. Father, let us be transformed by the renewing of our mind through the preaching of the word and hearing and listening and doing and being changed thereby. And Father, we give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name and everyone said. You know, in the cults, you know, there's, there's uh, people in cults who, you know, they, they get people and they start telling them, you know, who they got to marry and where they got to live and what car they're going to buy, how they're supposed to dress and who, what, what their work is supposed to be and all that. And, and you know, that's, that's, a, that's a perversion of a pastoral relationship or a spiritual leader's relationship. But the pastor, the word pastor is the Greek word poiman. Poiman is just the verb form of the word feed or feeder. You know, in the Anglo-Saxon, it was pasture, P-A-S-T-U-R-E, like, you know, a green pasture, you know, like a, a field with a bunch of sheep in it. And, you know, when you understand poiman, to pasture or to shepherd, is literally to feed. And the relationship that God has called us all to, I have pastors in my life, and I have to feed and I have to sit under the word myself and it is so important that we come and we learn and we have those who are set over us god has set in the church apostles prophets evangelists pastors and teachers and pastor and teacher are really one word in the greek and, and a lot of people have talked a lot about that and i and i mention that from time to time but but really the pastor teacher is really one person because it's one word in the greek and so there is something about that that god has set us in a position that we're to feed on certain things. 
and not just ever learning, but feeding and getting fed. You know, I've sat in churches, and, and, I, and I don't mean this to be critical, and I don't say this to be mean, but I've sat in a church, and I sat in, a, let me just put this, I sat in a church for 20 years and learned and learned and learned and learned and never was fed one thing spiritually. I was Roman Catholic, and the, they would get up there, and they'd give three points in a poem, and we'd all hope we could go on home. We all know how that goes. There, there was no spiritual feeding taking place. But there was a transfer of information. I even, when I was seeking God in Tulsa, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, you've got some of the greatest churches. They've got wonderful churches there and, and big, you know, great word preaching, charismatic, spirit-filled churches. And, and I can remember going and, and I, I can remember hearing good things. And I said, Lord, who is my pastor? Who is my feeder? How many of you know that God has assigned you to a feeder? Someone that's called to feed you. And I can remember thinking, I can go to this church, I can go to Victory, I can go over here to Grace, I can go over here to Higher Dimensions, I can go to this church, I can go, and there's so many good churches, man, I could just, man, it's just like, I, I, I'm positioned right between, you know, Texas Roadhouse, and, and <laughs> spiritually speaking, how many of you like Texas Roadhouse? Man, they have the best steaks. <laughs> and, 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 you know, Cheddar's, and, and uh, what's the one over in Pella that, that we like? But... Wally Mart, I guess it's not that important. Applebee's, and they, I like their hamburgers. And, and, you know, you could be between Applebee's and Cheddar's and Texas Roadhouse, and, and you feel like, man, they're all really good. And, and, and I had all these great churches, and the Lord said, but you need to go where your pastor is. And that night I prayed. I said, Lord, I, I want to, you know, you set every member into the body as it pleases you. It isn't just like me... You know, going to some restaurant, I liked it because you know what? I like them all, and I'd end up going to all of them. And, and, and you know, First Corinthians twelve says God sets every member into the body as it pleases Him. It's His choice. He created the body of Christ. He created the plan for your life. All your days are written in a book. It says in Psalms one thirty nine sixteen. That doesn't mean we just go do whatever we want. And you know, don't ever tell your kids you can grow up and be anything you want. That's one of the most deceptive, evil things you could possibly say to your kids. You know, that sounds really great. It sounds like the all-American dream and really an all-American good thing to say. It's really a very wicked thing to say. Don't tell your kids you can grow up to be anything you want. Tell your kids you can grow up to be exactly what God wants you to be. Can I get an amen? That means you just made Jesus Lord instead of you. That you can grow up and be everything that God wants you to be. Not what you want to be, but what God wants you to be. We're not our own. We're purchased with a price. We can't say... To the, you know, the clay isn't supposed to say to the potter. You know, we were made for his good pleasure, not the other way around. And so, you know, and I thought about, okay, Lord, I'll submit to you. I had a dream that night. Bob Yandian was standing in front of me. And it was really hard to figure out this dream. It was, it was really hard, really symbolic, because Bob Yandian, the pastor of Grace Fellowship, in the dream, he just stood there and put out his arms and said, I'm your pastor. You know what? In my deep, profound interpretation, you know what I came up with? That he was my pastor. This deep, profound, esoteric dream that God gave me. You know, God knew I was simple. I just needed a simple dream. And he told me, I'm your pastor. And so you know what? I actually got it. And I started going to their church and my life changed. 
Because I wasn't just getting information anymore. I was setting in the place that God had ordained for me to be from the beginning before the foundation of the world. God had a plan for me. And I began to fulfill the days that are written in that book in Psalms 139.16 where it says all the days of your life are written in a book. Now you can obey that book or you can disobey that book. You can have a good life or you can have a chaotic, troubled life. But if you get in line with God's will, because it says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. It says, not all that say, Lord, Lord, are doing my will. But when you get in and you start doing his will and you start fulfilling that book and God starts giving you, and you have a specific place to go and a specific pastor to sit under, then, praise God, you can start fulfilling the plans that God has for you. Can I get an amen? And you can stop just hearing good sermons because I got news for you, folks. There's millions of good sermons on the internet. There's millions of good sermons being preached today throughout America. There are thousands of good churches and thousands of good pastors and millions of good sermons. And you want to wade out into that sea of, how can I say, indefiniteness, go right ahead. But I would rather know exactly where God wants me, exactly who he wants me to be taught by, exactly what vision that I'm supposed to be a part of, and exactly what I'm supposed to be learning. Because God's word is very, very vast. And we could preach sermons from now uh, to a trillion years from now. And you know what? You'll never exhaust this book. So I kind of want to get a little more specified. I want to be in God's will. I want to know what it's supposed to be for my life. I want somebody teaching me what I'm supposed to be hearing. Can I get an amen? See, that's why you need a feeder. You know, today we think we need a Dr. Phil. Y'all know who Dr. Phil is. He's that guy on television. And that's what people are looking for today. You know, I need my Dr. Phil. I need my guru. I... I, I need my life coach. Where's that in the Bible? And see, because the devil always takes a truth and just spins it enough to get you just a little bit off. Because all you need is a little bit off. You don't need to have a, a bucket full of arsenic. You just put a, just a tiny little touch of it in a perfectly good steak and it'll kill you. You just need a little bit of poison in a whole lot of good food. And, and, and they'll eat it right up and, and get poisoned just as well. But if you have a whole bucket of arsenic, guess what? Nobody's going to drink that. Nobody's, nobody's that stupid. But see, you just get something that's true and just spin it a little bit. See, pastor is, it means feeder. Now turn with me to Psalms 23 and it says this, The Lord is my shepherd. And See, there's under shepherds and I shall not want. When you, when you have the Lord as your shepherd, that means he is leading you to your earthly shepherd and and he's speaking to you, and my, you know, my sheep know my voice, and he speaks to you through that shepherd, and he maketh me to lie down. You know, if you tried to make anybody do anything today, how many know you'd have a lot of resistance? Yeah. You know, he made, those sheep, he made those sheep to lie down where the good grass was. He maketh me to lie down. See, only a submitted heart would allow somebody to make them lie down where the grass was good. You try to make somebody today, they're going to shake their fist in your face, call you a control freak, say, back off, buddy. Nobody tells me what to do because we've got a rebellious society today. We're all independent and bless God, nobody's going to tell me nothing. Nobody's going to teach me. I know more than you. 
You know, we got a society. I mean, our culture is becoming like that. It's frightening. But he said he'd make them to lie down. In the grass, it'll poison them. Oh, no, the green pastures. God wants us to have someone who, not make somebody, but say, hey, this is the way it is. How many of you want the truth? Then just somebody tell you the truth. This is the way it is. Now, nobody's going to make anybody do anything, but I, I, I'm going to make sure I, I tell you the truth. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. We, we, ought to, we ought to be thankful for parents who made us do something growing up. So we amounted to something when we grew up. Made us get up in the morning. Made us go to work. Made us eat, eat our food. Made us clean up our room. Made us do a few things that are right. You know, I want, I want a pastor who will make me stay on the narrow, straight and narrow. That's what I want. Somebody will say, hey, you know what? You're off, dude. Straighten up, fly right. I want that. A lot of people don't want that today. I guess I don't understand that. I guess I was raised differently. But then it says, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. Well, if somebody leads you, that, that means you've got to follow them. I, I think green pastures is, are, is the word, and still waters has to do with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is always likened as water. And, and, and I, I believe that we, we can say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to make you to understand what this Bible says. And I'm going to lead you what it's like to be led by, and show you what it's like to be led by the Holy Spirit. We can only lead people in the things of the Holy Spirit. You can't just, how many of you know the Holy Spirit's a little less tangible than the Bible? And you kind of got to lead them and you kind of got to catch it. You know, it's more caught than taught. You kind of got to have somebody model it and show you. You got to have somebody give you, a, you know, kind of a model to show you how to walk in the things of the Holy Spirit. And I really believe that this, you know, the food is here, you know, the green pasture, the food is the Word of God, and then the water, you know, is the Spirit of God. And, and, he, and we need somebody to God. So, so your pastor doesn't just teach you the Word. How many of you know when you, when you get an internet sermon, you don't have a person teaching you the Holy Spirit? You know, it says that they, they the presbytery... Paul said, stir up the gift that's in you that was given to you by the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Paul said, I desired to come and impart a spiritual gift to you. See, some things of the Holy Spirit, you're not just going to get off the internet. Because the Holy Spirit works through people. He has human vessels. And God wants you to have a connection with someone who gives you tangible word, the Bible, what it says in its proper context, hermeneutically correct, and then someone who lives a spirit-filled, spirit-led, spirit-producing um, life that you can follow, that you can examine, you can see, you can demonstrate, you can have laid hands on you, uh, you can have prayed for you, and things like that. And so I believe that that is the, is the whole thing of the pastor. You know, Acts 20, it says, feed the flock of God, feed the church of God. It says, take heed to yourself. And to the flock of God, whom I've made you overseers, and feed the flock, feed the church of God. In First Peter, it says, "Feed the flock of God, and take oversight, not uh, by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but just out of wanting to lead the people." Another place, Jesus was asked. Uh, you know, P- Peter was told three times, "Peter, feed my sheep." 
And he kept asking, do you love me? And, and Jesus kept saying, feed my sheep. He says, if you love me, Peter, you'll feed my sheep. So let me tell you something. Being fed is different than gathering information. It says in Ephesians 4.11 that God has sent church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. It says Jesus was made perfect through the things that he suffered in, in Hebrews 5.8. How many of you know Jesus had to be made perfect? Anybody know that? How many of you know that he grew in wisdom and stature and with favor with God and man? Luke 2.52. How many of you know Jesus was made perfect? Perfect doesn't mean sinless. Perfect means mature. Everybody say Mature. You know, Jesus didn't come out of the womb as a little baby and, and go around teaching people. He had to grow up into that. And so he was perfected or he was made mature into a man who went about teaching. And so the, the whole thing is we need to be made mature. And the Bible says, submit to those who are over you in the Lord and, and, uh, and all these things. And that's really about talking about submitting to the, the teaching that God is, is teaching them. But... Many things can be a, and I, and I really believe that the whole thing about the relationship between a pastor and the sheep and being good sheep. Everybody say, I want to be good sheep. I don't want to be a goat. I want to be a good sheep. The whole thing about being good sheep is teachability. How many of you feel like you're teachable this morning? Teachability is so important. Because, you know, if you stay doing the same thing, and I always say, Lord, make me teachable. Help me to see where I'm, if I'm missing it. Make me teachable. You know, teachability is so important. If you, if, you want to, if you want to change and you keep, you know, definition of insanity, the old saying is the definition of insanity is you keep on doing the same thing and you hope you get a new result. Right. See, we need to be teachable so we can change. Everybody say, so I can change. God's wanting to change us from glory to glory and from faith to faith. Amen? Amen. Well, James 1.21 says, receive with meekness. That means humility, humbleness, which really implies teachability because the context is receiving the word. Receive with meekness, humility, the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. In other words, when you engraft on a tree, you got to plant, you take off the branch, and you leave an open place on that branch, and you take a branch from another plant, and you put it onto it, and you engraft it on, and you put some type of adhesion or some type of connecting clamp where it puts that branch, and then that sap will start to flow into that new branch. God wants his sap to flow into you. And he wants you to stop producing human fruit. He wants you to start producing godly fruit. And when his sap starts flowing into you, into you as the branch, and then into your leaves and and into your fruit to be produced, he says that's what it's like to be taught. He says receive with meekness or humility, the engrafted word, which is able to save. That word save is sozo. That means healing. It means deliverance. It means soundness. It means redemption. It means all, all the above. It's able to save your soul. Your soul is that part of you that is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And I, I got news for you. Um, your emotions need to be saved. Your feelings need to get saved. They need to get sozoed. And, you know, we are a spirit. We live in a body, and we have a soul. May the Lord God sanctify you, spirit, soul, and body, it says in 2 Thessalonians 5.23. So we need our soul 
saved. That's our mind. That's our thinking. That's our will, the choices we make, and our emotions, the way we feel about it. You know, if you get controlled by your feelings very long, how many of you know you'll get out of God's will really fast? Now, God doesn't take away our feelings. God doesn't say feelings are bad. You know, some people say, well, those crazy Pentecostals, they, they are ruled by feelings. You know, I think God wants us to have feelings. I think God wants us to get happy and shout. And I think it's all right when we're sad and we cry. But he says the warning is don't ever be led by your feelings. Don't be controlled by your feelings. Go ahead and have them. But they were not part of your equipment. They were not part of your navigational system. Never were your feelings to be part of your navigational system. Feelings are all right. But don't, don't be led by your feelings. Be led by your spirit, man, because that's where the Holy Spirit... How many of you know the Holy Spirit doesn't live in your feelings? The Holy Spirit lives in your spirit, man, where you got born again, and it's righteous, and he can live there because it's the righteous place inside of you. Now, your mind isn't totally righteous. That's why you got to renew it. Your body's not totally righteous. That's why you got to put it under and fast and tame it every once in a while. But see, what is righteous is your spirit, man, because it's born again. It's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And you can have the Holy Spirit live in there. And so that's where you look to for guidance. And feelings don't come out of your spirit. They come out of your emotions, your body chemistry, and your mind. So we've we got we to realize that God wants that mind saved. He wants those feelings saved, brought into captivity to Christ. He wants those, uh, those thoughts and, and will and, and decisions, he wants those to be saved. But teachability is important. Now, let me, let me tell you a couple things here about what makes somebody, you know, be, uh, be teachable. Receive with meekness or humility, the engraft word. And some things that aren't humble and things that Christians make the mistake. Turn with me to Proverbs 18, 1 and 2. Here are some things that you can be careful about that will cause you not to be teachable. How many of you want to be teachable today? Amen. Proverbs 18 says some really interesting things. 18, 1 and 2, it says, Through desire a man having separated himself seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. It says, the recluse seeks his own selfish interests. You know, some people say, well, I'm just going to go study the Bible on my own. How many of you know that that's a form of pride? I don't need anybody to teach me. But it says, through desire, a man having separated himself, people separate themselves from church, separate themselves from Christians, separate themselves from pastors. They go to the internet, they start learning, they, they run around to different pastors, they run around to all kinds of books, they run around to all different sources, everybody except the one that God assigned him to, their pastor. Through desire a man having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. But an easier way, to, and when, you, when you begin to look at, and I'm just looking at 26 translations, the recluse seeks his own selfish inclination. He quarrels with every sound principle. He who is estranged seeks pretexts to break out against all sound judgment. Woo. He that separates himself seeketh his own desire and snarlest against all sound wisdom. Wow. 
He who separates himself seeks his own pleasure. Against all good counsel, he is embittered. He that separateth himself seeketh his own desire and rageth against all sound wisdom. Ever met anybody like that? I remember Levi was telling me about this guy who never goes to church and he studies the Bible. And all he does is get on, uh, on Facebook and argue with everybody. You ever seen anybody like that? All he wants to do is argue with everybody. Levi asked him, where do you go to church? He said, oh, I don't go to church. I study my own. I don't need some pastor to teach me nothing. Well, right there, you know, you got something wrong with your attitude. And, it, and then the second part of that, it says, And the fool hath no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. How many know people are trying to find themselves? <laughs> Bible says that person's a fool. The fool takes no delight in understanding, but rather in displaying what he thinks. Ever met anybody like that? People that separate themselves from the church, from, from the pastor. Uh, it says a fool has no delight in learning, but only displaying what he knows. Another translation says a foolish man has no pleasure in good sense, but only to let what is in his heart come to light. Another translator says, a fool delighteth in understanding, a fool, excuse me, a fool delighteth not in understanding, but in covering his heart. The fool hath no pleasure in knowledge, save only in displaying his own understanding to everybody else. You see, we, first thing we got to do is we need to understand why are we learning? What's your motive for learning today? What's your motive for being fed today? Because the Bible says, that he who turns his ear away from hearing the word or the law, his prayer is an abomination. Another translate, another uh, says, a wise man welcomes another's correction. You know, if you're wise, you welcome someone teaching you and correcting you and making you better. Can I get an amen? amen. Beware of people who aren't teachable and do all their own study and in all their own learning and are subject to no one. Beware of those type of people. And then not only that, but in Second Peter it says, the scriptures are of no private interpretation. How many of you know that good, sound, you know, many counselors and, and, and wisdom, good, sound wisdom comes from many counselors. In other words, you know, if you have an interpretation, we ought to look and say, okay, now does that interpretation... Is it of no private interpretation? In other words, am I, I got to make sure that I'm not the only one coming up with that interpretation. How many of you know the Holy Spirit's going to tell Kurt what the same thing that that verse says as he's going to tell Julie, as he's going to tell Don, as he's going to tell Bob? How many of you know the Holy Spirit isn't schizophrenic and telling different people different things as to what a verse means? And so the safety is, just like checks and balances in government and decentralizing government, uh, there's a checks and balances in the kingdom of God. And we should be willing, you know, does this verse, what, what did they believe about this verse, the commentaries back in the 1700s? Okay, let's get out of American culture. Maybe a culture is tainting the verse and what somebody's saying it means. Let's go over and see what the African, uh, uh, what, what those commentaries say. Let's go over to the British commentaries and and let's go over to other parts of the world and maybe uh, the German commentaries. Let's find out what not just Americans come up with as to what the Bible is saying in this verse. Let's go to past generations. Let's go to other parts of the world. Let's go to other denominations. And, you know, denominations aren't really in the Bible. 
Sometimes that's a, a private interpretation. But, but let's, let's hear from the body of Christ. And if many people by the Spirit of God are coming up with the same thing, how many of you know that's healthy? And we begin to see that when someone tries to endeavor to do this on their lonesome by themselves, how many of you know that's dysfunctional learning? Let's call it dysfunctional today. See, dysfunctional learning is when you think that you're going to go and nobody's going to teach you. So that's not receiving with meekness, the engrafted word. I know people that they're always off reading a book. They're always off getting something from another pastor. They're always off doing something that, that has nothing to do with this body and this, this church's direction and what this pastor has been given from God to teach the people in this church. And they're always off course. They're always out of sync. They're always in, in a, in, in another, on another channel for some reason. How many of you know it's really hard to lead people when they're not all on the same channel? <laughs> but if you're meek, you say, I'm teachable. I'm open to what others say. I'm not trying to figure this out all on my own because I don't think that high of myself. But I'm teachable. Amen. How many of you want to be teachable today? Amen. So that is a dysfunctional. And I just call that the solo learner. And that's not, and that's not good. And then... Uh, the second one is, in 2 Timothy 3, 5-7, through 7, the false teachers that have a form of godliness, but they deny the power, and that's the power to receive truth, and that they lead silly women into ever-learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. And this is the ever-learners. These are the guys that just think that all they got to do is get, I need more information. I need more information. More information. More books. More Teachers to heap up, more uh, conferences to go to, more things that I, I can read, more, more uh, things I can listen to on the internet. And, and, and they just go, they go on and on. Elcott's commentary for English readers says this, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. A morbid love of novelty and a hope to penetrate into mysteries not revealed to God's true teachers. The odds are just a little above. Those who God, let's call them too. Spurred these female learners on, but to the full knowledge of the truth. For this is more accurate rendering of the Greek word, they never reached. For by their evil heart was hardened. Wow. Barnes notes on the Bible. Ever learning. That is, these silly women, for so the Greek demands, the idea is that they seem to be disciples. They put themselves wholly under the care of, of these professionally religious teachers, but they never acquire true knowledge of the way of salvation and never come to the knowledge of the truth. They may learn many things, but the true nature of religion they do not learn. There are many such persons in the world who whatever attention they may pay to religion never understand its nature. Many obtain much speculative acquaintance with the doctrines of Christianity, but never become savingly acquainted with the system. Many study uh, all these things, and, and he goes on and on, and, and, and you just go over. Here's another one, ever learning some new point from mere curiosity for disparagement of what they seem to know. The knowledge, the perfect knowledge, the only safeguard against further novelties. Gnosticism laid hold especially of the female sex. and Because it, it says in the, in the text, it says silly women are overtaken by these people, and, and they are forever learning, but they never come to the knowledge of the truth. Women, women that pretend to be ever learning the truth but cannot obtain because of their lusts. And they, they never really 
begin to practice the truth. They, and over and over again, these commentaries talk about, about these types of people that, that they're forever learning. And it's men too. It isn't just women. I mean, the, the, the text talks about silly women are overtaken by these false teachers. And, but men have the same thing happen. Because see, they're just learning. They don't want to be spiritually fed. Because when you're spiritually fed, you might have to change some things. Can I get an Amen. You might need to make some, have to make some adjustments. You might need to actually be humble. Everybody say humble. That's why the Bible says receive with humbleness. Humbleness. Not that I've got more knowledge than everybody and nobody's going to teach me anything. I'm going to correct everybody and I'm going to go. I don't need a pastor. I'll go get it from this place and I'll run over here and get it and I'll run over there and get it and I'll just get it wherever I feel like getting the knowledge. I don't need God. I don't need his plan. I don't need his pastors. I don't need his system of perfecting me. I, I'll just go get it on my own because I'm just a little smarter than everybody else and I just, I just think I can do it. I don't need nothing. I'm... See, but there's people like that. We need to stay humble. Everybody say humble. Amen. And then there's those, what I call teacher heapers. It says, the time will come where they'll not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust, heap up teachers, having itching ears, and being turned away from the truth. Wow. After their own lusts, they'll heap up teachers. Paul says there's 10,000 teachers out there, but not very many fathers. Hebrews says that fathers will give an account for their soul. Luke 15 says the pastor, if he's got 100 sheep and 99 are there in the flock and one has gone out and been lost, he'll go looking for the one because he knows he's going to have to give an account even for the one someday. But teachers, they're a dime a dozen. They've got thousands of sermons on the internet. They'll sell you books and tapes and and all that. Nothing wrong with it. I'm not saying that all those things are bad because a lot of them are very good. But are they making sure that they're hearing what God wants to teach you that Sunday morning? Or are they just putting out one of their good sermons because they know it'll really sell good? And that's good. I don't have anything wrong with that. But what I'm saying is, there's some people that have been assigned your soul. I said there's some people that have been assigned the care of your soul directly by God. That God has assigned your soul to them. And they'll give an account for it. Do you think those people that you go running around reading all the books and television and this and that and the other and, and all this good, good stuff, do, do, you, do you really think that they're going to give an account for your soul? Or do you think the guy that God set into your life, the pastor who's your shepherd, who wants to make you sit down in the green pastures and, and lead you beside the still waters and is going to have to give an account for your soul one day, do you think he's going to take a little more thought and preparation, and seeking God as to what God would have said to you. See, but today, Christians are scattered. Oh, it doesn't make any difference. We'll just, you know, we'll just get it off television. I saw a great big huge billboard. Go to church from home. Just watch it on television. Just watch it on television. Did you know today... The millennials are more connected than any generation. I mean, did you know today the average millennial spends nine hours in front of an entertaining phone? They hardly spend ten minutes away from it. But there's a text, there's a Facebook, there's a, a call coming in, uh, there, there's something. That, that's, that's not Pastor Bill Tom, that's statistics, nine hours, folks. 
They learned it from us because our generation spends six hours in front of the television every day. They're the most connected, but the statistics show us they're the most miserable and the most lonely. Because they're replacing relationships with technology. They would rather text you across the table than look you square in the eyes and talk to you across the table. I mean, there's something wrong when we'd rather text than talk. You see, and the same thing is happening with the pastoral relationship in many churches and in many communities and in many people's minds. It's just information. I mean, I I just go for information. I, I can get more information off this phone, Pastor Bill, than a thousand of your sermons. I can access a million sermons on this phone. But will you get the one that God has for you? The one that God has for your body of believers that you're a part of. The one that's going to be for you and your family. That God has given. Because God calls churches to do things together. Well, coach, I can see the football player on the field. He pulls out his phone. He says, coach, I, there's some real plays on this phone. I tell you what, coach, you know, you're, you're a silly little play over here for the team. I, why should I listen to it? I can, I can go to the best football coaches in the world. I can go to the top NFL coach. I can go to the top SEC coach. I can go to the top, you know, NAIA coach, and I can look at their plays. I can look at their playbook on this phone. And you know what? I don't need to hear your silly play that you want to run right now out here on this football field. I mean, that guy's a complete fool. Because even though there could be a million better plays, that's not the play that this team is needing to run right now that you need to get in sync with. <laughs> well, I don't need that. Sir, I, I, can go, I can go over here to, to 30 Farm. I can, I can go over here to the NAS. I can run over here to the assembly. I, I can jump around and I can bounce around and, and I, I can go wherever they'll tell me where I, what I want to hear. I can listen to Joel on Sunday morning. I can, go, I can go all over. I can get so many sermons and I can get so fed. Really? Really? Do you even understand what a flock is? Do you even understand what a shepherd is? Do you even understand what a vision for a church, what God calls people to do, and unites them together through the preaching of the word? Somebody say amen. Dysfunctional learners in the body of Christ. We'll, we'll call them the solo learners who are out there all on their own, and nobody's going to, I'm going to learn by myself. And I'm going to tell everybody what I know. And then you got the forever learners, ever learning but never coming to the knowledge of truth. Information, 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 information. No relationship. Just information, information, information. Never coming to the knowledge of the truth. And then those who heap up teachers according to their lust. Well, I, you know, I, I'll go where, I, what I want to hear. I, I, I like what they teach. And, and I like what he teaches. And I like that. And, and, and my lust for what I want to hear. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to heap up all teachers. And, and I'm going to have stacks and stacks and stacks of CDs. And I'm going to have all kinds of teaching. And, I, and I'm going to have all the teachers. All my favorite teachers are stored right over there in that great big pile of tapes. What does that have to do with your church and what God's calling you to do? Heaping up teachers. Then the last one is Ephesians 4. It talks about those who are tossed to and fro 
with every wind of doctrine. I call those the wind-blown learners. They're tossed to and fro. And the devil just keeps them just outside of God's will. And they're, oh, goodness sakes, a new, a new teaching has come out. I got to go chase after it. But see, Psalms 92, 12 says, they that be planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. How many want to be planted? Let's just turn to that. You know, it, Paul talks about that in Ephesians 4, about those who are blown about with every wind of doctrine. And let me just tell you something. That is a sign of babyhood. All that means is that somebody isn't growing up. Look at this. It says here, it says now, in verse 11, it says, and he gave a some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man. How many of you want to grow up to full maturity? The body of Christ becomes a man, not a baby in a manger. A perfect man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children. I don't want to be children. How many of you don't want to be a children the rest of your life? Children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, the cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in white to deceive us. One commentator says, itinerant quacks. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, from whom the whole body fitly joins. See, this has to do with being connected to a body. The whole body fitly joined together and compacted by every joint supplieth. According to the effectual working of the measure of every part maketh increase of the body under the edifying of itself in love. You know, another thing about it is when you go to a church, you know, here it starts out, it talks about God has sent church apostles, prophets, advanced pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. Then it says, and don't be children tossed to and fro, but be speaking the truth and love to one another from whom the whole body is fitly joined together. He starts out about talking about the preachers. He talks about perfecting them. He talks about don't be a baby tossed to and fro with winds of doctrine going all over the place. But then he goes right back to talking about but be in the body where you're fitly joined, cemented together, fitly joined together. It says compacted. That means like glued. And every joint is supplying. See, when you get into a body, then you grow up. See, I always teach that we need to have fathers. We need to have fellows that are our, at our level. And then we need to have followers. Because fathers correct us. Fellows inspire us. And followers put a demand on us. And all three of those things will cause you to grow. How many of you know God made it so that we have parents, siblings, and children? How many of you know that having parents cause you to grow to a certain level. Having siblings and getting married to hopefully an equally yoked person, and that's a, kind of a sibling or someone of your own level. How many of you know that takes you to another level? Or, or growing up with brothers and sisters, or, or having someone on your own level, how many of you know that'll mature you to a certain level when iron begins to sharpen iron? Yeah. Amen. But then how many of you know having kids... You know, it's one thing to have parents, it's another thing to have siblings or, or have, you know, a marriage partner, somebody who's your equal. But then how many of you know that when those kids come along, they put the greatest demand on you? 
See, in the church, there should be some spiritual fathers. There should be some spiritual siblings. And there should be some spiritual children that are putting a demand on your life where you begin to serve other people. And see, all that is found within the matrix of the local church, the family of God. And when, when you come and you, and you have that family, and there's something about it, you know, that it just it causes you to grow. Not tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine that keeps you out, keeps you away, keeps you doing everything but, uh, you know, going to church, keeps you from everybody but your pastor who's supposed to be the one teaching you, keeps you away from all the people that you're supposed to be doing life with and serving and uh, helping sharpen his iron. You know, there's somebody that needs you to sharpen him as iron. There's people in this congregation that need you to help sharpen them. There's young people in this congregation that need you to help mentor them. And that'll cause you to grow more than all the books, all the tapes, all the sermons, all the stuff that you can be forever learning but never coming to the knowledge of truth. All the doctrines you might chase after, you know, being tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine and all that stuff. That just doing those things, just submitting to a pastor and being iron sharpening iron to a friend and bring a mentor and helping bring up a younger uh, Christian, that will grow you more than all the learning in the world. Can I get an amen? Because until we do the word, it's all for nothing. Jesus says you'll know the doctrines after you do them, whether they be true or not. See, we have to do it to have it change us. You can know it, it won't change you. But when you do it, it begins to change you. It says, be ye a doer of the word, not a hearer only, deceiving your own self. We have, see, and we've got to have some people to do it with. We've got to have some people to do the word and sharpen them. We've got to have some people to do the word and help lead them and mentor them and strengthen them and, and build them up. We need to have some people to do the word with and serve under and, and, and submit to and, and do some things. And, and good sheep understand that. And when that body joins, there, there's, a, there's this transformation that takes place. And I believe this, you know, it says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. I believe one of the greatest things, you know, it says, do not turn your ears away from the hearing of the word. He who turns his ears away from the hearing of the word, even his prayer is an abomination. When you turn your ears away, that's, that's not going to church. When you, when you chase after doctrines, you know, it says, be planted in the house of the Lord and you'll flourish in the courts of our God. There's something that begins to flourish when sheep hang out together. You know, I, I've read a lot about goats. Goats, never, goats are very independent and they don't want anybody leading them to, to feed. They, they want to go eat what they want to go eat. Now, you, you read, read scholarly studies. I mean, this is like departments of agricultural studies. I, I, I've studied them. Goats only want to go eat what they want to eat when they want to eat, and they don't want to do it with anybody else. They want to go do it alone. That's a goat. A goat is, you can't control goats. You can't lead goats. You can't keep goats in, in a flock. Goats are going to do what goats want to do, and they're not going to have anybody tell them what they're going to do. A goat is a very difficult thing to deal with. A goat is a very difficult thing to feed anything to. A goat doesn't want to do what it doesn't want to do. But good sheep... Let their pastor feed them. Can I get an amen? amen? Good sheep come when the doors are open. They take notes. They pay attention. They take serious that this isn't just another sermon, but this is what the Lord is saying to this flock of people. That's what, good sheep see it differently. They aren't just information hoarders. They're being fed for a purpose so they, they can go and do what the word of the Lord is. Can I get an amen? amen. Good sheep come when the doors open. They take notes. Good sheep don't. 
try to feed you know, with other flocks, under other pastors, under all kinds of other information, getting distracted so much with all the stuff out here that they're not paying attention to the playbook here. You know, like the guy who gets on and says, I can get a million better plays than this off the internet, coach. No, but see, coach has the play for this team right now in this game for this play for what we're supposed to do right now. So you can get so distracted today. How many know the Bible says in the last days knowledge will increase? And ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. See, how do you sort that all out? Let God speak to the one that you're supposed to be submitted to. And, and begin, to, begin to believe with your pastor that God is speaking to the pastor. God, give him sermons. Give him the right sermon. Pray, how many of you know you should be praying for the shepherd? Because your food... You know, I, 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 I've never had to pray for Julie to make good meals because she's just always done it. But, you know, if she wasn't good at cooking, I'd probably start praying, honey, you know... Uh, I, I, don't, don't listen to it, but, but I pray, Lord, make her a good cook. But you know what? I'm blessed because my wife was a good cook to begin with. And she's always made good meals. I've never had to pray for her to provide good meals for the family. But you know, if she didn't, I would pray for her. So just, just a little thought there. And uh, and it, it really isn't learning. We need to understand that it isn't Ever learning that brings us to the knowledge of the truth, but it's feeding on what God has for us. And it's obeying and being submitted. A soul, because, you know, when he said, how many of you know, when James said, how many of you know James was most likely the pastor of the Jerusalem church? We all know that through commentaries and, and through a lot of evidence that James was probably the senior pastor. He, he, he was the ultimate decision maker, if you look through the book of Acts. And James was a pastor. And James was telling these people, receive with meekness. You know, he's the pastor talking to the flock. He's telling the people, he says, receive what I'm saying with humility. And James was a pretty, he he was Jesus' brother. He was a big shot. He was the head pastor of the Jerusalem church, most people believe, most commentaries. And, and, and And he's just having to tell them, receive with humility what I'm trying to teach you. Because you'll just get... You know, it'll save your soul. It'll change your life. Just be humble when it comes to learning because I, I believe that God has great things for everyone. And, and, I, and I just believe this, that um, when we have an, an attitude, and I believe that God sometimes calls people to read other books and, and other things, and I'm certainly not against that. But I'm saying some people are fixed on that, and you can't teach them anything. They're too busy, you know, reading some new doctrine uh, to know what's going on in their own church. They don't even know, they don't even know we had church today because you know what? They're not here. And, you know, it's all right to read other things. It's all right to go to other church once in a while. But let the bulk of your learning be in the context of what is going on on this team. And the plays that God's calling us to carry out. And the game that we're trying to win here at Jubilee Family Church. And let God teach you. Because you know what I found? I found that if I go and sit under my pastor 
and I've got a teachable spirit. He may be preaching on one of the things, but God will open a floodgate of revelation about all kinds of things that he's not even teaching about. So you can be ever learning and never come to the knowledge of the truth, or you can be humble and submitted to your feeder, your pastor, and you can sit there because you're in obedience, and God can take you way beyond what he's teaching you. God can begin to open up the floodgates and begin to teach you things about your family. He can start giving you prophetic words about your job. He can begin to teach you about what's going on with your finances. He can begin to give you words of wisdom and revelation just because you're an obedient and humble servant that sets in the house of God and is planted in the house of the Lord and flourishing in the courts of our God. Let's stand up. We'll be dismissed this morning. Amen.